This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Tales from the Loop, episode 8, Home is Over, but here on Post Show Recamp, we are just getting started. My name is Grace, but of course, I'm not alone, I heard DM Philly. Philly, how you doing? I'm good, I'm home, Grace, I'm home with you guys. It's been a really long time. I don't know if you know it, but you were gone for like 40 years. I know, it happens, mm-hmm. I cross that little frozen stream, I like it out there when it's cold. Yeah, well, of course, we are not alone, Ariel's also here, Ariel, how you doing? I'm great, I feel like it passed in the blink of an eye. It sure did. 40 years, yeah. no big deal. Yeah. Cole's pretty chill about the whole thing, huh? Just like, oh, wow. He's wow. a very well-adjusted kid. He's pretty <laughs> nonplussed. Yeah, this kid yeah. has dealt with a lot already in his few short years. You know? It's like, yeah, my brother was a robot. So I guess I you know, I guess I skipped 50 years. That's fine. That's no big fine. deal. Whatever. Um, Tales from the Loop, episode eight. We've finished watching Tales from the Loop. We're going to chat about it today. Rich, I thought this was a tremendous finale. I thought it was a tremendous episode of television. And I feel like the fact that, you know, I thought you you played pretty coy the whole time when we were like raiding. You're like, oh, I know there's better episodes coming. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I thought this was by far the best episode and a very strong episode of TV. And I'm so glad you made us watch Tales from the Lip. 
Thank you. I am glad that we all watch it together too. This show, I think, is one of, I mean, I keep saying it the whole time we've been talking through it, but I think it's one of the best things made on TV in the last 10 years that nobody's seen. It's a really poignant, beautiful little story. I think there's just so much to appreciate and enjoy about it. And I was really excited to get to this final episode. I mean, this is what we came here for. I do think it's far and away the best, but I think that it trades on the other seven episodes that came before, right? We like set up so many pieces that we get to unfold. I think part of what I love so much about it is that it does evolve into this anthology story and we take all these separate turns. We're going left and right. We're hanging out with May. We're going uh, the other worlds with Gaddis. But we circle back to bookend the season out with this episode eight that I think really magnificently complements episode one on this just magnificent existential musing of the human experience and I think in the way that a lot of times sci-fi gets lost for the science fiction of it all. We get so into the weird science, we forget the humanity. And I think the best sci-fi explores the human experience through this lens of technology a lot of times. And I think Tales from the Loop does it kind of masterfully compared to a lot of other stuff that I've seen in recent times. So I'm delighted that we all watched it together. I thought it's been a really fun journey, uh, if a slow one, for us to get through it all. Yeah, what would you make of it, Ariel? Yeah, I I really loved it too. I felt like it was, you know, it's called Tales from the Loop. It felt like we were closing the loop. It mattered so much because of everything that had come before to both of your points. It, it only had the emotional weight it had because of everything that we had lived through with these characters. And it was... It was wonderful. It was like, I'm sad that it's, I'm sad that it's over, but I'm really happy that it stands the test of time. And, you know, I, I don't remember if we, if I, well, I know we went into like some speculation of how we thought like the season would end or whatever, or what kind of episode or who would it involve. But for me, the biggest hanging thread emotionally was the Jacob Danny story. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like I almost didn't, want to bring it up because I was so afraid of not getting some kind of closure or at least I wanted like some kind of um, like tip of the hat to that story something I needed something and the fact that it was so important to this storyline and to Cole's storyline and to Loretta's storyline ultimately it just feels so well constructed and well written and just I I'm really happy and I I'll never look at loops the same again hmm interesting <laughs> i i i will say i think that my if i have a critique of the show i think that the finale outlines to me how much i care mostly about cole jacob russ um like sort of the main family unit in a way that i care way more but like i think that's like probably my biggest critique looking back on the gaddis episode i do think it's a good episode but i feel like the idea to anthologize the show we actually don't really do it as much as i thought we would in a way but the idea that it was set up that way like episode two is episode two is danny and jacob episode three is stasis right with may and ethan Yes. Yeah, I like that episode. I feel like the show kind of I, – I almost wish they did a better job fitting May's storyline, uh, Gaddis's storyline, and 
and even Danny to an extent, like that one is pretty tied into the main storyline. But I guess like when I'm looking at it, I actually don't think it's as much of an anthology. I guess I'm like, there's episodes that certainly feel anth anthology, but then there's so much of the story is based on people who are this key in family. such a in a yeah, yeah. in one unit one one family. Unit. I mean, in a five in an eight episode series, right? You have Loop, which is the Loretta. Then we go to Danny and Jacob. Then we're like shifting over to May. Then we're back to Cole and Russ, right? With Echo Sphere. Yeah. Then we go to Danny's family, uh, and so you know, I think like half of it ends up being centralized in this family, which I think very fascinatingly they don't give them a last name right they are so like the every family any family i think it's a really interesting pivot but i feel you i, I do think like that's the trick that it's playing on you i think the the anthology nature of the storytelling it's more in how compartmentalized each individual story is for the characters rather than like how far we deviate away from this main family like each one of the episodes is a pretty closed loop in itself even though it leaves these threads like dangling into the next one but i just thought it was so elegant i know it's a word that i use a lot talking about the show the way that they're able to weave back in in episode eight here to pay off so many of the kind of setups that we got along the way in these in these other peripheral episodes you know i guess i would just argue that the maybe for me the show is is a little inconsistent because mm -hmm. this episode is yep. so good directed by Jodie Foster. I love last week's episode. I was actually a little bit surprised to see in our Discord that people seemingly had it rated much lower than we did. Yes. A lot of people put it pretty low in their rankings compared to where we were ranking it collectively. Um, whereas I think that when you look back, I do like Stasis, but I do think that it feels like such an outlier in the show. And then obviously for me, Parallel, and then a little bit Control, I think, which is the Danny's Dad episode. All the other five episodes do basically are someone in that core family unit basically right all right let me give a little bit of a recap of home and then we can chat about whatever we'd like from the episode um so cole is missing his his brother he has moved into apartments so he can live closer to loop and he goes to visit and um obviously finds out uh about uh danny and jacob's body switch and discovers that actually um a uh, Jacob is in the robot. Um, he finds the robot and wants to basically see if they can help. Um, but they head into the woods and Jacob, the robot, dies after fighting with another robot. Cole leaves a little memorial in the woods for him and leaves. Um, as he's leaving the woods, he finds this, he crosses the stream that was frozen the first time they walked through it. He lets his sort of soccer ball float down it and it appears back at the top of the stream. Um, he steps in it and walks across it, seemingly jumping forward uh, several decades in time. He finds his mother, goes to to Loop, and his mom uh, greets him, but she is a much older woman. Um, she explains that they've been looking for him for many years, that his grandmother and his father have both died, and Jacob, um, a.k.a. Danny, is married and has kids, but Danny had also told uh, her that he had switched bodies as as well. Cole learns um, his teacher who taught his older brother and his parents is the second generation of human-like robots, uh, following the first one from uh, that we saw last episode in Enemies. And then the episode ends many years later as we see adult Cole visiting his childhood home with his family. And that's Tales from the Loop. 
Rich, what's we, the headline? Yeah. We went full dark with the montage at the end to explain Good. it all. It didn't have the incredible, powerful music over it that we get in dark so often. But I love the montage of clarity that we get at the end. I think that there's so much in there. There's a ton of tiny details in this episode that I think on rewatching, you're able to extract from it. But the notion that through this flashback, we see Loretta living out her life, her and George kind of like getting old. George just kind of dies ignominiously at work which I thought was such a sad fate giving everything we learned about Russ and how like Russ kind of lamented uh, like pouring his entire life into work at the loop rather than into the connections with this family and Joy, George just dies there that way. We see that fake of Danny and Jacob's body after he reveals to Loretta and George that he did the body swap he presumably goes back to his old family. We see them all together at the little bar while like Loretta and George are having dinner. There's just so much great in the montage i kind of forgot how much they achieved through that towards the end of the episode to clarify what we're watching but the other real big takeaway that i had here is the way that fundamentally loretta is a character that we've really kind of held at arm's length since that episode one but if we recall like loretta's a little girl flashes to the future where she's going to meet her son call and hang out with them and then go back and grow up and be without him all these years then she has her son call as an adult and then Cole flashes to the future so for the vast majority of this woman's life this boy has been like trapped in this state she knew mm -hmm. him as a child when she was a child she like gave birth and raised him as a child now she's an old woman she gets him back as a child again there's such a disconnection there that I think like emotionally resonates with me with this idea that came out of dark that we talked about so much of like you'll never really know your parents right um i don't know there's a lot of like emotional stuff i think to extract from it but i, I just find it so strong throughout yeah loretta for me as a character is so much more effective and satisfying after all of this i think and to your point rich not only did all of those things happen but basically she she lost her mom because of whatever time loop stuff or just the loop stuff uh she lost a piece of herself right in all of this she loses her son danny who like dies off screen well not well jacob, jacob the real jacob yeah. not fake up uh she loses her son which happens off screen and is like so tragic and horrible um and then she almost loses her youngest son so the idea that like not only was she waiting she never knew if cole was ever gonna come back because mm -hmm. like what was it gonna be like her who kind of looped back or was it gonna be like her mom who just disappeared and never came back is really profound and really really sad the way we see her live her entire life lose everyone and then be by herself and always kind of be wondering is Cole going to come back? Is he not? Did he get lost somewhere or whatever? And then it just, you know, the, the, it, it really hit me, her, her facial expressions, her little moments with Cole, the way that she was like, you know, it, uh, she goes from saying the time passed in the blink of an eye to like how long this particular set of years of waiting for Cole must have felt like for her. And especially at the end when he asked her, did you miss me? And she's like, she can't even hold her emotions in. And obviously it's because like, ouch, that's like kind of harsh that he had to ask me that. But also like the emotion of how much, of course, she did miss him. Um, this is great. This is great stuff from Loretta all around. And I think it like in a way it was the the 
the end, even though it was Cole's episode, it was it felt a lot more like it was the continuation and ending of like the Loretta storyline. I think that the choice for Loretta to I the scene where he goes to to see her mom, who he thinks it's just been the same day. Also, what a what a bad day for Cole. He right? lost his brother, his dad, and okay, his grandma okay. all in one day. And 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 I mean he doesn't really use his childhood, but he all of his friends seemingly are like now. Yeah, he got blipped. He got down straight at yeah. So so the scene where he goes to see his mom at work and she comes out and she walks up the steps and she doesn't run to him. She doesn't like I feel like you know, there's a a choice that would be made that this is like the big scene for the actress Mm -hmm. who plays Loretta, and you would play it over the like over the top. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a way in which like all of these things that have happened to Loretta in her life, the things that you're pointing out, Ariel, like her story leads her to walk over to Cole and sort of, she definitely like has teary eyes, but she's not bawling. And she goes, you know, I, you knew I'd always be here for you. It's yeah. so good. It's so, I love it so much. This idea that um, this in this moment she can recognize that she's kind of already gone through all the worst stuff that can happen Mm -hmm. to her and in this moment she's gonna have to break it to cole that you know here's all the stuff that happened while you were gone and here's the reality and so she just says you know i'm I'm here for you Um, she's like his support she puts like it's such a she doesn't need to be like selfless in this moment like this is her son who disappeared many years ago, a parent's worst nightmare. Um, yeah. Like what happened with Danny and Jacob is like awful, but at least she has some, like she closure. knows what happened. She has closure yeah. to that in a way that when your son just disappears, that must just, and to not know must be the worst feeling. And so she gets this answer and then she just knows I ha- I have to be here for him it's so good it's so it's good. really powerful how like subdued and muted she is rebecca hall is a really great actress and I, i'm always excited to see her pop up in anything but she plays it so well i love that we mirror that scene again to you like when we do it from her point of view the right. camera coming up the stairwell as we come out of that montage of her living through all those years and the camera just rising up out of the stairwell to see him sitting on that ball because the weight of the realization i mean the implication is she knows what happened because it happened to her to a degree and so she's had some speculation here and now as he reappears exactly as he was that day he walked away first of all it's the exact opposite of everything we joked about at dark of like what year is it you know like she knows exactly what is going on and she is like tempered and muted for him recognizing that she's gonna have to deliver the weight of all of this grace and i think that there's a measure of like she's grieved already she's been through like the emotional wherewithal of all of this and it's just like okay because she's got the like for her it could be an over-the-top reaction but she knows for him he was probably just gone overnight and here he is waiting for her with no expectations so if she were to run up in hysterics or come apart that would be the like it would exacerbate the whole issue for him um which i think is just so kind of poignant and telling and the weight of it all the like grief of of everything that that these folks have lost it's just a lot not to mention the whole like reunion of of call with jacob right the like robot reunion you didn't think we were going to put a little kid's soul inside that cute robot and not come back to him did you You guys that's a that was my biggest fear for sure yeah yeah Yeah. the god the robot fight is what the hell's up with this other 
Did it sock him? Sock him, Greg. That was that was my question. Like, is it that the other robots sensed the the weirdness of the of the Jacob robot? Like, what was it that made? I and ultimately, it doesn't really matter. But like, I was so curious. What? Uh, it's harrowing. It's horrible. You know, we had commented on how the the eye i guess i shouldn't say eyes but they are the eyes the lights of the robot of the jacob robot are so sad and friendly and then to go up against this like faceless robot figure who seemingly is either woke up on the wrong side of the battery or just <laughs> like you know sense like i th i know you're a human in there i'm gonna kill you like it was very realistic in the sense of just like kind of everyday horrible occurrences and violence but also mm -hmm. i was uh i was a little i think the show and obviously the show wants you to be wondering that but i just i i wondered for myself like what could they have done anything to to prevent it i don't know i'm glad i guess i'm glad cole didn't get hurt they called that other robot the spider robot that they designed. This was not wow. something that leaps out at like from Stalin Hogg's art, whereas the Jacob robot really is. We've seen this a bunch of times in Stalin Hogg stills. So I think we are supposed to be unsure. And there's a lot of speculation of like, did it understand that like Cole's an anomaly outside of time? Like there's there's a lot of um, speculation as to whether the robots are kind of like guarding the river. And like, that's why it happened to be in this location oh. is it's supposed to be stopping people from mm. moving back and forth yeah, across this sense. kind of time anomaly. Like what was going on there? But I think to a degree, like the uncertainty, I don't know, there's a lot of questions that we're not supposed to have answers to and i think it does speak to the way that like kids bully each other and are dicks sometimes especially coming out of episode seven where like we had george's friends leave him on an island where he loses an arm <laughs> yeah and those kids who just like were <laughs> casually cruel to uh the uh i guess it was danny's sister yeah yeah Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I could have hung out with uh, Cole and Robot Jacob in a two-hour-long movie right? for forever. I just thought it's so good. The aesthetic is so good. Um, Cole being the younger brother, but being the one who, like, you know, and then there's the older brother who obviously, like, protects him in the robot fight, but also is so limited in communication and, and whatever. I just really loved this dynamic. I could have lived in this a lot longer than than we did in terms of like what adventures this this gang like this felt like it could have been like an 80s tv show of like yeah the cole and jacob the robot was. yeah yeah so uh i thought it was so fun and the fact that we do get some real big closure i mean i think i saw a post somewhere i think it was on reddit it says like wow so this is just eight episodes of like danny sucks huh like the repercussions <laughs> of danny sucking yeah. but i do love all the closure we do get on the danny and jacob stuff because i think it is the thing that you know for me i, I know obviously 
I think I rated episode two higher than episode one. I think the Loretta Thomas stuff is really good, but I really, I loved the darkness of the Danny and Jacob stuff. And so uh, the resolution to it all, including like um, Danny telling his, like not his mom, I guess Jacob's mom, what had happened, them seeing each other at the diner, like George and Loretta seeing Danny at the diner as like that is your son but he's with another family it's one moment we don't linger on it but it's like it's yeah it's so powerful it's so good you can only imagine what like um is it what's Danny's dad's name uh Ed um what like their family is feeling to actually like they fully get their son back um and like and they and they had to like lose their son and we don't again that happens off screen but like the robot in Danny's body you know whatever couldn't make it couldn't make the body work whatever you know we don't know like the the technicalities and like specifics of of how that would work but it you know on some level it makes sense he was in a coma and then eventually he just like i guess uh gave out somebody flipped the switch i don't know but um that that in of itself how hard it would have been for danny's parents to like lose him fully and then to like get him back like that emotional journey it's like i'm back but also i look like this other person (laughs) but then you watch loretta in this moment where you know you watch as she basically loses everybody in her life right and but there's this scene when danny comes to see uh cole and he has his kid and they start playing soccer together but she looks at and she's like i read it that she's like smiling to see she does Mm -hmm. because like i guess biologically and something like Cole knows that that's not his brother, but in some way, like it is your brother. And in some way that is her son, but it's not her son. Like, I don't know. It's like, I just, I just really thought that the conclusion to all the Danny Jacob stuff was, was incredibly strong, super resonant. I loved it. I think it's really easy for us to look at the Danny Jacob stuff and be like, what a monster Danny is. But I think that we have to like contextualize it a little bit. I mean, we're the viewers watching this show and we're like intended to have an emotional reaction. And one could certainly imagine Loretta and George would too, as Danny reveals this. But Danny is like, a teenager without like fully developed decision-making skills. And he's got a sad life in front of him. He's got no outlets. He's depressed. He makes a bad choice. Who among us has not made a terrible choice as a teenager, I posit. And the problem is that he gets caught in the implications of it, right? This is the lesson that everybody tries to give you when you're a child, that you're going to make choices and there will be repercussions. And sometimes you can't unring the bell. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube one foolhardy choice on one bad night because you want to impress the girl your friends whoever it is your teacher your parents can lead to the rest of your life it can condemn you for the rest of your life and this kid ultimately is given a prison sentence in terms of the emotional baggage that comes with this choice he condemns his body to death his family to grief he unmoors Loretta and George and Cole's entire family and before he even as the opportunity to try to like reset it if he would once he has the implications of it all uh that 
choice is taken out of his hands, right? As the equipment is dismantled and they are trapped in their circumstance. And as such, I think there's this dynamic where like people can go through hard things together. You know, um, my parents got divorced when I was a young kid and like my mother's family didn't love my dad, but like you go forward 20 years from there and enough bad stuff happens to everybody that those two could like show up at my high school graduation together and like smile and a appreciate one another because while they're maybe not each other's favorite people they've both endured this mutual kind of um experience together this mutual weight of grief they've had to like mourn separately they've held these bad feelings for one another but fundamentally this is somebody who understands what you've been through in a way that few others can Right. So I think it's so like important to get that smile from Loretta that like, despite all the loss and the grief, she loses George and Russ and her mother-in-law and both of her sons. She finds peace. She finds some solace. She's able to like go to work every day and press on. She's able to like be inspired by the equation being finished. And she's able to realize that for her kid who's been lost in time and come back to a world that is alien to him. Not only is this all family gone, it's 20 years in the future, right? Uh, that like this one familiar face at least can maybe ground him out. That while Danny may not be the, the like, you know, their favorite person in life, that he's got a relationship with Cole that could be important. And there's a family that developed there because there is no other family left. So it's all just so poignant. And it deals with like the existential like weight of it all of like, at the end of the day, we're all going to the same place guys. And we can like fixate on finding the differences and holding our anger and like nursing those flames of resentment and bitterness and animosity or we could build a bridge and get over it. And maybe like when we get to the other side or at the middle of the bridge, we'll be able to find somebody else that can like meet us for what it's worth and understand us a little bit better for it. Right. Um, I don't know. There's something there. Yeah. I think I love this idea of like the people who are left can choose to make the best of what they're left with. And I like, she you know, we talk about all these things that happened to her, but also she made a similar choice to Dan. Well, maybe not Danny and Jacob, but like she made a choice when she was a kid that set her down a path that like interrupted her life and like gave her a different view, just like, or, or a different experience, just like Cole did. And just like Danny and Jacob did. And like the, the way that she just would have an immediate understanding of like, how could you do that? She probably wouldn't even get to that point of how could you do that? It's just like, oh yeah, I get it. You made a stupid choice and now we're all like suffering the consequences. And I think there's a way in which she feels a responsibility, like taking her, taking the family side out of it. She feels a responsibility now that Russ is gone to kind of like be the overseer and the, the, the constant presence in this, community at the loop at like all these different ways that she could that she has to like fill russ's shoes we literally see her sitting at his desk and like there's that mirror of russ is sitting at the desk when something bad happens to him and he's watching loretta like try to solve some equation and then we see her sitting at the desk and then that's when her you know her husband something bad happens to him on the mm -hmm. other side uh, at the board and you know, the idea that she would be, I love this like really, really complicated, emotional and understandable 
relationship that they all have like now older jacob Jacob, who comes to like introduce his daughter to cole and the way that he hesitates and he's like oh this is my daughter this is cole he's your and then he just trails off he can't like finish the sentence because how do you explain that and then cole just says hi like i love like everyone i guess except his daughter is like aware of what's going on and they're all they all feel like a kinship, a connection to these people because of like these very complicated, not human uh, circumstances. So Nick in the in the Discord does ask whether or not that that is who he marries. Which no, I, it's yeah, not. I don't if want that to the be true. If you look at the x-rays, it's different names, right? I mean, there's a couple of, like, really quick things. Like, one of the beats is, like, Thacob, when Cole goes to see him at the barber shop and he's in his apartment, that girl comes out. That was Danny's original girlfriend who had Danny painting the barn, right? He ends up back with the same girl to begin Mm -hmm. with. But uh, Cole does not marry his not-cousin. Great. Uh, Um, Totally different girl. I will say that in the Echosphere mm -hmm. episode, when we see Cole seeing his future, we did, like, see that scene freeze framed in the like leaping forward sequence of course yeah i think that one of the things that i really appreciate about this show and the writing of this show is that it's a sci-fi show but kind of all the tech and all the things that happen like i think that there's another you know another sci-fi show figures out how to fix or reset a lot of this stuff right like i think that dark has such a tremendous ending but it's a little bit of like there is a there is sort of a finality to a lot of the thing. And obviously I feel like that's so much like there's a lot more happening in that show. Like it's more expansive than I think tales from the loop is, which is much smaller in scope, even if it's, but, but there's all this tech and basically like all the tech basically never works except for time travel. I guess the stasis stuff, I guess, I guess it, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, but the fact that all this, so by the end of it, I do also just love this, the, the notion of, of, of how this show ends which is yeah i think specifically with loretta and cole of sort of you know um figuring out how to move on and move forward Mm -hmm. in a way that i think yeah is really powerful i think in a lot of sci-fi shows there's a way in which you're like kind of looking for resolution and i feel like this show it's not that it's not resolved like i i said that the danny jacob stuff i think is resolved excellently but it is these things that happen in your life, and then how do you move? How do you move forward with those things happening rather than a show that maybe, and I think that's because the show is so character focused rather than sci fi focused. Like sci fi is obviously an, a key, you know, part of every episode, basically. Uh, even if like Echosphere probably is the one where it's like the least, the tech is like the least impactful. But there's always like tech and future stuff happening, but it's that's really not the focus of a show has been the theme. And so I kind of that was like, I I don't know what I was expecting from this show, but I don't think like such a low sci fi show was something that was on my radar. I definitely Mm -hmm. thought because it's so inspired by the by uh, Stallhong's art that I thought it would be have so much more of an of an impact. And I kind of love the way that like really the tech only serves to basically mess up all of their lives. Everybody's lives gets affected kind of negatively and they have to figure out how to like traverse through that. 
I think it's really classic science fiction in that way, where the technology just serves to uh, create these conundrums and tensions, and it operates as like a vehicle to catapult our narratives and to drive human conflict fundamentally. I think what's so fascinating in terms of uh, the dark of it all, this is Tales from the Loop, but it is open-ended in that way, right? Like the tech is all just like out there and open and exposed, and like we don't have to shove it back into Pandora's box because like while it creates problems for the individual people, it's not in and of itself a problem that it exists in the world, right? Whereas it dark, the like, fact that no way Loop is getting uh, like okayed from whoever, whatever government agency. Oh no, it's all secret pick, government agencies. It's I could talk thrown about all that. over the 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 landscape. Of so the part of it is like no. in the in the tabletop role playing rule book. It's great, but they talk about like uh, the European like governmental restrictions, like it being in the EU lets them get away with a lot of stuff. All right. these like very interesting dynamics. But I think that as we say in dark again and again it again the end is the beginning the beginning is the end right it is literally this closed loop like we have to close the circle on it it's a contained uh, like a record just only can go as far as it's able to go whereas the loop is almost like this helix spiraling upwards and outwards i'm back in like my dark time visualizations uh there's just so much i think interesting here i i have a question for you guys but like would you want a season two of this show we got the one season it during the pandemic i've seen so many people lament like when is it coming back do we get more like how do you come back like could you come back is this enough i you know as much as i enjoyed the the finale especially and like the 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 closing of the loop so to speak i feel like i as always as i always am with with things that i like way less than this even I don't want more if it's at the expense, like I don't want more just for more sake if they felt like they had more story to tell, but it does feel to me, and this is without knowing, I feel like we've discussed this in the past, but I don't remember like if they intended to make more or not, but it feels to me like a close story. And as much as I want to know what happens to certain characters, specifically like Cole and Loretta, and, you know, maybe revisiting Gaddis to, to Grace's chagrin, I... I feel like it would be I feel like it would be a mistake. And if, if it's going to be at all like a watered down version of what we got, then I I would rather not have it. So I, I'm OK with it if if we basically don't visit any of the characters we saw. So I think we have to like all time jump. Yeah, it has to be totally new people. I, I think, you know, I'm fine with with Gaddis, Ariel. It's that I feel <laughs> like I hate Gaddis, Chris. I hate I like Gaddis. Happy. Um, I want I basically feel like they should do they should like commit to the story that they're like i feel like gaddis to me that episode is is total filler because it has so little to do with everything else in a way that i think like actually for me detracts from the season whereas like if you do a season that is much more about gaddis like i'm actually i think i'm fine with that right like like tell me the full story i think um in a way because i again i think that like the show is an anthology but also i don't I don't think it's as much of an anthology as I think it, it may be. I don't Nobody's Nobody was telling me like in the show, like this is an anthology show, you know, there's no narrator or whatever, but um, you remember Joe at the bar. He yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. God. These anthology shows. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I would, I would take more of it. I think you could put loop, you know, why can't there be another loop somewhere else? That's not in Ohio. Oh, there is. Right? It's so, in Sweden. So yeah. there you go. Uh, 
great. We'll have yeah, the Swedish Chef will be on the next season. The Swedish Loop. It's just called Swedish Loop. Yeah, I would totally watch Tales from the Loop, uh, cast by Muppets. By the way, yes, please. (laughs) Thank you. I love Beaker in the Loop. Like, (laughs) I would love Beaker. Yeah, Ariel, were you hyped to see your boy Shane Carruth from Primer show up at the end there as Old Cole? I wrote down in all capital letters. I was like, oh my god, there he is. He gets to repeat. His mother's line, blink of an eye to his children, which is tremendous and sad. Um, And I love the idea that this is one of the, you know, we talked about Primer before we, Primer the movie, before we talked about Tales from the Loop, the idea that like one of him like grew up and did this and like this is what he did with his life is just like really that's just something that i do with stories all the time and it's 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 satisfying to me like it's it's sweet and comforting to know that like he did something good with his with his life and with uh these these situations that he got himself into he definitely looks older than than uh than when he made primer because time has passed in real life but i'm sure it passed in the blink of an eye it just he he did he did a really good job of portraying like the the how profound this experience for him really is and yeah i was really happy to see him and i was like wow i can't believe this is the same guy. And like in a previous episode, I think we just got him from behind. So like I did mm-hmm. suspect that like, okay, you don't cast this guy just to like get the behind the headshot. But um, yeah, our guy, what a guy. What a guy. What about the big revelation? So George never takes his face off. He does apparently die. He was a real boy. But the teacher is number two, Grace. Uh, were you ready for that? That like the teacher is going to be the AI? Was that like a good stinger? Is that a bridge too far to close us out on? No, I, I, I like it. It's incredible advancement from, from version one to version two. I know. Two. I don't Russ know if anybody really like upgraded. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's ever had like, to the beta. Yeah. My man made some big jumps. Yeah. We don't know if you've seen the difference between like the iPhone one and the iPhone two. I don't know that we get that much Meanwhile, of a jump. Does anybody see George's arm? Holy cow. They couldn't do anything better than that. Yeah. Well, he didn't I, want it. He they yeah, they tried. True. And he was like, nah, I like this old school iPhone one arm. Yeah. I like it. I like the choice that it's the teacher. I think it's very, I think there's something there about the, the fact that Russ builds this, um, this machine that will teach you. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, the one that is like, you know, responsible for your education, the idea, there is something about teachers too, that I think it, it kind of works perfectly. I know someone on the Reddit had talked about like, so nobody noticed that the teacher doesn't age, like nobody notices, but I, I don't know. It's kind of like this thing of like, you know, obviously this happens like super. It's like, oh, you had Miss Smith. Like I had Miss mm-hmm. Smith. Like she's great, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I don't know. There's something like kind of to that and the choice that that's the person we see. I do like Cole coming back to school and being like, yeah. So like everybody else age except for you. Like I, lo- I like that he just hasn't brought it up until then. Is is very funny. I think it's a it's a fun choice to have the teacher be the one who who doesn't age, be the one who's the AI who is like effectively teaching the students. You know. 
kindness and and all of it. You know, I thought I thought it was a, a good choice. Yeah, I totally forgot about it, Ariel. And then we got to the end. I, we saw the first scene with the teacher, and I'm like, mm. my my, heavy handed guidance counselor. Mm. Uh, <laughs> like, tell me that you want to help the traumatized kid without saying so. You've been traumatized. Uh, but then we get to that final scene at the end, and I'm like, oh right, this is brilliant. Like, I knew there was another AI, but I forgot where they turn up again. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the idea. Uh, to your point, Grace, of like the very real life like i had an older brother and there were a couple of situations where i had a teacher that he had had and cole like that's just this a... cole says the thing about like oh yeah i have the teacher and she calls me by your name accidentally or like yes. because she yes. had you first some yes. teachers call me by your name and and he says uh fake says that's weird and that's I said, weird. yeah weird because you're a fake uh, and weird because you're the oldest child and you don't realize how much your bro- your stupid older brothers uh, affect your reputation going into the teacher's <laughs> class. Yeah. It really does because, again, to the real life part of it, I remember teachers who loved – it was it was like – it was too total. But the one teacher who loved that I'm remembering who loved my brother loved me. And yes. then the teacher that yes. hated my brother yes. hated me. Yes. So there's yes. just like something that, that you works. can't shake. And it's like, I, I didn't do anything. He switched bodies. Or in this case, he infuriated you. I didn't infuriate you. Why am I now like being punished for this thing? It's, uh, that sucks. That's a, that's a tough break. It but... is the worst. I had the same dynamic with my dad, believe it or not, Errol. I was like, how do you remember this guy? He's literally 30 years older than me. And you're still pissed off from 19 freaking 67, Mrs. Wow. Scanlon? Let's Sit do- on a hat. <laughs> sit on a robotic hat was she a robot that sounds she must have been you know advanced and uh, she didn't age well she was a robot (laughs) 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 wow poor miss uh jacobs i forgot her name lisa can we talk about jody foster for a minute just like coming in the direct i refuse she's the one person i won't talk about she's okay well you we're gonna put you on mute for the next (laughs) few minutes uh she's also uh directed tales from the episode tales of the dark side she did black mirror she's kind of like in this like sci-fi horror ish you know dark sadness uh thing she's 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 really good at it um I just love Jodie Foster. I I watched Nyad uh, on Netflix um, Mm -hmm. uh, earlier this week, and I just she's so freaking good in it. I just love her. Um, So and also just appreciation that she kind of had like a bit of a where like she um, she kind of came out and then but couldn't really be fully out and then you know it affected like some of the roles that she got and then I just I like that you know she's getting some appreciation for she's amazing. Jodie Foster, she really is uh, fantastic. I thought she killed it. Some of the cinematography, the framing choices, like again the montage really stands out to me. Like you need a good eye to be able to frame stuff like that. I thought she did an excellent job. It is a treat. This show had a lot of pedigree attached to it. There's a lot of really quietly impressive people plugged in along the way for sure yeah i think uh I, th- I don't think nathaniel halpern he has an upcoming uh thing that he's right he's he wrote the whole series uh he did he wrote for legion as well richard yeah reference on here before as I well which is, has a weird vibe um yeah he has some other work in in progress but he hasn't been up to anything since uh since tales from the loops so. i strongly recommend legion if you're at all like a comic book guy it's an x-men kind of spin-off uh legion is about like uh, ultimately xavier's son and it's a crazy crazy show that does some wild plaza stuff. yeah this yeah. was that was like aubrey plaza's first role for me after 
Parks and Rec where I was like, oh, wow, like this this person can really actually act. She's got some heat. That was the first thing that I'd ever seen her. And what's the guy to uh, Downton Abbey guy whose name I can't remember right now? But Oh, yeah. Cousin Matthew. Um, He's pretty tremendous. too. I don't remember. He left Downton Abbey because he was like, I'm going to have a career. I'm going to go be in Legion. Dan Stevens. Yeah. Yeah. Dan Stevens. Yeah. He wasn't that. I remember that like bad horror movie slash like he was like a trucker guy. He was bad. That was that was not good, but uh, this the Legion, guest? I agree, it was it was super good. The guest, yeah. Um, all right, MVPs and MVPs from this episode. I think it's pretty easy for. Although I think that there's a strong case to be made for Jacob defending his brother and dying. Um, I think there's a strong case for Loretta, but I think ultimately I'm going to give my points to Cole, my MVP points to Cole. Uh, go kid, Cole. He's pretty good in this episode. Yeah. What do you um, think, Ariel? Uh, I don't know. I will, I will very quickly shout out, uh, Kylie Minogue, who, Mm -hmm. whose song is playing when he appears in the future, uh, the second iteration of the barbershop where his brother is living on top and like the very, you know, time has passed. So like now they're playing contemporary music or contemporary or much more contemporary music than would have been in the eighties. And, and the lyrics are, uh, I just, well, the song is called can't get you out of my head. Just to be there in your arms, won't you stay, stay forever and ever and ever. Just like the idea that they're all kind of looking for each other. She's looking for her. He's looking for his brother. His mom is looking for him. Um, I can't get Danny out of his head. Literally. He's like, <laughs> his head. Yeah. I was like, I have to, I have to shout out Kylie Minogue. I get so few opportunities to do so. I, I really have to give it to, and this is more, this is less of like a, you you earned it and more of a what you went through makes me want to give it to you i feel like that's like a horribly nuanced uh differentiation but like the loretta what she went through and everything Mm -hmm. that she had to endure for her family for the loop for everything else like i want to give it to cole but i feel like her experience just looms so large over this entire episode this entire season um i have to i feel like i have to give it to her Okay, Rich, what about you? I am just going to fill out the trifecta and I'm going to go with Robot Jacob here. Let's give it to the whole family. I think that Cole's fantastic. Like MVP to Duncan Joyner is the kid actor who plays Cole. And and I guess like he does pretty much just walk around with a little scowl on his face a lot of the time. But this would have been easy for this kid to like lose the juice in this role. Like I'm, He makes I'm, a, pine, a pine cone circle memorial it's pretty does. strong it's, mm-hmm. it's like a cairn of pine cones. Yeah. Uh, anybody who listens to me a lot knows like i can very easily be critical of the little kids on the tv shows that i'm watching and this kid did a good job but yeah. i'm gonna give it to his awesome robot brother who literally dies defending yeah. him from the spider bot in the woods uh pretty very good. touching and poor jacob man what a life sucks. <laughs> So that gives us uh, Loretta leads the leaderboard. She got two points in episode one and then one here in episode eight. So she is uh, three. And then um, Philip Glass, Beth from episode five. Is that that Ed's? Who's Beth? Who is Beth? Uh, His daughter. That's his daughter, isn't it? Okay. It's not not Elizabeth. It's Beth. Okay. And then Cole and Jacob each have two points. So they sort of like round out our, uh, the top of our leaderboard. All right, let's move over to the LVP. I, you know, Danny's not losing this thing. It's actually mathematically impossible, (laughs) but I also don't know that he deserves it because I feel like he does actually, I know a lot of people don't forgive him. I saw this a lot, but 
he does own up to the fact that he did this thing. So, I mean, he, he, does, he is responsible like, for Jacob's death, but yeah. It's as soon as Cole goes missing. I think that's an important thing to point out, right? Where he's like, yeah, oh my true. God, oh my God, we need to find this kid. I can't be responsible for killing both these brothers. Yeah, <laughs> true. yeah the idea this is that tough. Like, he came, he came, Cole came to see him and you could, you know, he has to get to work. He doesn't want to deal with this thing. It's like already weighing so heavily on him. He's trying to, you know, he's visiting his sister and then I agree. Like, I feel like the moment Cole goes missing, it's like, oh, God, like, I can't. The secret is too big and I have to I have to tell someone. Yeah. Um, I, I really actually don't know. Who OK, I got, oh, one. Oh, I got I, one. Yeah, I got one as well, actually. I'm going to LVP Russ for making this yeah, crazy effing so loop and leaving yeah. this technology yeah. out to ostensibly ruin his entire family's yeah. life. Yeah. What did you do, Russ? You could have locked this stuff up. All you needed was a chain lit fence and a padlock. You could have got it at the hardware store. You jerk. Uh, I mean, other robot, spider robot. Is that? Oh his yeah, name? that guy was a Rich? dick. Yeah, that's yeah, that thing sucks. Yeah, I'm gonna give it to spider robot who kills Jacob. Yeah, f that guy all the way <laughs> to space. Uh, I I might have to give it to the time stream, and I mean oh, like literal stream that represents time. time. No, I, I want to give it to like the physical stream, which like freezes and unfreezes. I, I do think it's a little uh, like, I mean, I guess who cares about a soccer ball if your brother just died? But uh, what are you like? Let's the soccer ball go. Like, what was he expected? He would just lost a soccer ball. Yeah. It's like it's kind of a silly like way to show us that the soccer ball will come back. I think Come a little back. bit of it is, uh, you ready? This is me being pretentious. The metaphor of letting go, right? He's like letting go of this thing that right. means a lot to him. He played right. with the soccer ball with this right. robot brother who's right. now dead and right. he needs to leave it all behind in the dark and spooky woods. Right. I think the other really quiet, fun metaphor is uh, his grandmother is taking photographs, right? Oh, yeah. He gives him the camera and he's going to go back at the end. So what is a camera except like a time machine, right? Like yeah. it can't literally transport us. But imagine what like actual like world altering technology Wait, this must be in a world where we couldn't take pictures before i gotta cut this because we're gonna we're gonna write a script for a time travel movie that you time travel through a camera so don't oh, yeah, yeah okay. just uh, wait bet. maybe i shouldn't even said it on the podcast. isn't no, it really. through <laughs> isn't it through the camera where she sees cole on top of the yes. stack and yes. then like i you know very very small mvp point to me for knowing that that was cole but i'm sure yes. a lot of people did because it's just like the show is teaching you that that's possible um I felt like I couldn't remember how it was that she was it like through the camera or was it just her through her like being... camera lens. Yeah. The yeah. camera is a little bit of like a MacGuffin to like look through time. And I think it's so, like, yeah, possible LVP to her for hmm. seeing Cole on top of the thing and like not knowing. God that's, damn that's it. Kind of All right. Well, Danny is obviously the LVP of the show. It gets eight points over the course of the show. Nobody else comes. Alex has three. Uh, Alex from episode six. <laughs> who's who's epi what's episode six? Alex is Gaddis's not boyfriend. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, Danny swept the episodes twice. So, uh, <laughs> cool. what, a king. what a king! All right, uh, yeah, no, I kind of love that. I kind of love how much we hate Danny. All right, episode eight, let's rate it. You know what? I never do this ever. I never <gasps> ever do this. Yes, great. But Welcome I have given, dark I have given. Two eights. I gave an eight to episode four, which is Echosphere, and I gave episode eight last week, which is Enemies. And I think this episode is actually way better than those yeah, two episodes. Yeah, it is. So I'm going to give it an 8.88, therefore infinity 
<laughs> infinity dot infinity dot infinity. Um, so I'm gonna give it 8.88. I'm gonna like completely break the system. So please do. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ariel, Rich, you have a rating for this episode. I can also tell you what you've rated everything else if you want. I Do you want me to tell you? Love yeah. for you to tell me. Okay, Ariel, <laughs> you Run gave the premiere episode one a perfect eight. Last week, you hedged your bets by giving last episode a seven point nine five. Good job. For that, like you gave a seven point eight to episode six, and then you're like four and five or seven point sevens. Episode mm-hmm. two and three are rated pretty low for you. So I do remember nine, now eight, at the time when I was like very indecisive while we were recording our last episode. And yeah. Rich, you kind of like nudged me. No, me, I think. I was like, you just give it the like half point low. Yeah, the yeah, no, no. You, zero five, you yeah. like gave me like the latitude to do it. But right. like Rich, I felt like a little bit of a nudge as far as like right. someone who knew. You're going to want some room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, Save but somewhere to, go. Credit, to your credit, Rich, it didn't feel like that at the time. Yeah. It only Good. feels like that now in retrospect um i yeah i i thought about like giving this just an eight but now that grace has blown the door off the hinges i have to give it an 8.9 no i'm just kidding i'm gonna give it an (laughs) 8 as well (laughs) an 8.88 an infinity forever Mm -hmm. i just want to say also i want to leave uh this part of it with these words that the teacher says to Cole when they're talking at the end and she asks him about the book and she says, what did you think? Oh, yeah. And he says, it was sad. Uh-huh. And she says, and beautiful. And he says, sure. That's sure. so good. It's so good. It's pretty tremendous. It's very on the nose. I mean, that's tales from the loop. Uh, I'm nothing if not a follower. All my friends are jumping off a bridge into an ecosphere. I'm going to follow you. I want to give it an 8.88 as well. Uh, I really love this show. I'm so excited that the three of us got to talk through it. It was very front of mind as we wrap dark, but really this conclusion I, is like where I wanted to get as we've been talking through it over the last couple of months. And I think it's a pretty extraordinary episode of television uh, to like put a finale on a one season story of television. I thought it did a really great job there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that that's, that's right. I kind of love that we all gave it an 8.88, um, like blowing past our scoring system. Rich, you didn't give anything previous to that an eight. So I kind of love that you're then like, he was holding out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> in terms of like where we actually then end up like rating the show, if you like, extrapolate those numbers obviously we like broke the system at the end but we rate it pretty highly like basically like uh rich you end up with a 7.36 out of eight which is like basically a 92 percent uh ariel you give it a 7.68 which is like a 96 percent yeah certified fresh yeah i gave it a 7.17 i was the lowest on it for sure um which is about a 90 percent it's because so of like, gaddis fuck you <laughs> Crazy. She just hates really that. hates tractors, Ariel. That's what the problem. It's true. It's the picture in the yeah, tractor. She likes bird watching. watching but yeah. yeah. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed talking about Tales from the Loop. Uh, it's a it's a delightful show. I think that it was very fun to watch it week to week. I think that it uh, like it's, it's so interesting to think that this was a was a binge show that dropped all at all at once. But I I really enjoyed sort of dissecting it. It um it's like. Certainly slow and methodical, but I think it's so purposeful in what it's trying to do. I liked that the sci-fi was pretty like much in the background most of the time and served to tell uh, a, you know, a bigger story, a, a character-focused story. So I really enjoyed chatting it through with the two of you. 
awesome. I'm really excited that we got to do it. I would really, I just want to circle back one more time and hype up Simon Stalinhog. The guy is great. You can search for his website. He's got a ton of awesome images online. They will make delightful, uh, like desktop backgrounds for you for many years to come. I'm sure he's got a couple of books out there, Tales from the Loop and the follow-up Things from the Flood, both of which are Ooh. like about the focus of building a particle accelerator. There's of course the tabletop role-playing game, Tales from the Loop, where you play kids in these weird places in the world with the loop around you i am happy to uh like run it for you if you want to hire me Ooh. to do so really very fun game but i just think that it's so fascinating i talked about it a lot early on that this guy's still art in the 21st century has inspired like this whole kind of like outpouring of fictional storytelling in books on the tv show around like people's homes all around the world as they tell their own stories with their friends around the tabletop role-playing game that's really inspiring to me in like a profound way and i think that that's part of the beauty of tales from the loop as like a show like be inspired by this i think it does like some things creatively that are really innovative and it, and it breaks some molds in some fascinating ways while also trading on like a lot of the traditional strengths of science fiction as a medium to tell awesome stories about people so mm -hmm. yeah um we also got cameos from death this season. So that was, that was good. I don't think he's coming back, but <laughs> that was um, worth it. Yeah, it was worth it. Um, yeah, I, no. I loved it. And I, if for no other reason, uh, no, that's false. That's another additional reason, a lesser reason beyond how much I enjoyed it and how much I will always think of it fondly and return to it, you know, maybe on the next go around the loop, uh, you know, as the person who a lot of my friends come to for suggestions, I for sure am going to put this one in my uh, inventory for Heck suggestions yeah. to people. Yes. Um, so if you're listening to this the day it comes out, which we're going to release it on Friday, November 17th, it has been exactly a year and a day since 1899 premiered, which was the impetus for us getting together as a crew to talk through that show, then do our dark rewatch, then talk about some movies and the show. Um, I think we have collectively decided we are going to wait and see what comes next. Take a look at your calendars to see if there's anything that you think is sci-fi related, potentially coming um, out, or if there's an anniversary of a show, let us know before the time being. I think we're going to just be time traveling through space, Rich. I am down with it. We are the travelers. I think that the end is the beginning. We probably have already recorded the next podcast, though. Right. We just don't know what it is yet. It will be released after we're done with it, which will happen after we're done recording it, which already happened. And that all makes perfect sense to me, Grace. Uh, you guys know where to find me. You call me when you're ready. Yeah. So it's been very fun. It's basically a year of podcasting together, team. We did it. We did it. Happy anniversary to us. Yeah. Um, all right. So because we will not be back in the meantime, until some future point when the travelers reunite, Rich, where can people find you and what are you up to? Uh, I got a bunch of stuff. I'm at DM Philly on all the social places, Twitch, uh, YouTube, Twitter. You can hit me up. I am a mercenary dungeon master and tabletop role-playing game master. If you want to play some Tales from the Loop, uh, you can tag me and I will run it for you. I'm talking about Yellowstone with you, Grace. I'm talking about Burroughs End with the great Dr. Melissa Woodward. I'm talking about this very cool sci-fi show, Beacon 23, with Corey B. airing over on MGM+. Plus. So I'm talking about all kinds of stuff. I'm keeping busy. What about you, Ariel? 
Wow. At this point in time, I am covering Six Feet Under with Dr. Amanda, revisiting one of my faves. We're doing season one. Watch uh, covering Grey's Anatomy every month as usual. Uh, that's coming back in March officially. Saw the show that. returns. Yeah. Uh, and I will just say that that's what I... That's what I posited mm -hmm. when we recorded yesterday, early during the day, and it was released later on in that day, announced rather uh, later on in that day that it would be turning in in March. That's what 20 years of watching the same stupid show does to you. You kind of get a sense of when it might return after a strike, because uh, mm -hmm. this is actually the second strike. That's how long Grey's Anatomy has That's been so true. That's hilarious. Strike That's that, so funny. Uh, writer strike that Grey's Anatomy has been affected by. Uh, covering movies every week with you, Grace, Bush Recaps Theater. And um, yeah, that's yeah. until until next loop go around. Yeah, um, I'm talking all sorts of stuff. Uh, some shows wrap, new shows are premiering. Dr. Man and I are talking about The Curse each week. Um, uh, Shannon Gus and I will be talking about The Crown. Mike Bloom, LT and I will be chatting about Fargo. We had a wonderful interview to wrap up our Flag Means Death coverage. We talked with Gypsy Taylor, who is the costume designer for season two of that show, and was so incredible. She's so nice and fun to talk to, but also she's so detail-oriented that it was so fun to get to pick her brain about all of the stuff in that show. I think it's incredibly uh, fun and worth listening to, so go check that out. Yeah, I think you two mentioned all my other plugs, so um, I'm on social media at High From Grace, and until next time, ultimate fist bump. Ultimate, Ultimate fist bump. Fist bump.